Okay, welcome everyone to the H Training Podcast. Um, my name is Kieran Howrickin and I'm here with Helen Howrickin today. And we want to talk to you about interview board training. Um, so Helen, if you want to kind of maybe give some background on the type of work that you've done with interview board training, just to get yeah. us started. Well, I think interview board training is really an important element of every, for every organisation. What we're really doing is we're selecting people. And if we can select people right with the behaviours and the competencies to fulfil the roles, then I think we reduce a lot of the challenges that we might experience than if we promote people who might struggle in a role or may just not be the right fit. Okay, so like your experience is um, especially vast. You've worked across the public sector and I suppose most significantly you were heavily involved in the public sector when the competency-based framework was adopted. Yeah. What, what, what are the risks to not training your interview board? Well, I think the risks to not training the interview board are multiple fold really. First of all, um, if we're going back to the test of knowledge, we are not looking for leaders. We're not identifying leaders. All of the public sector is a progressive leadership cap- uh, area. We are going from first line to middle to senior management. And to be able to take on the responsibility uh, effectively within the competency framework. So I think it's really important People can know things without being leaders. And the old format was really good, but it didn't distinguish people who could apply their skills in different ways. And I think this is what we really need to capture. So I do find that the questioning skills then for the interviewer, they need to understand the competencies, of course. Uh, Some of them are very good at this and some of them are not. And I think that it's really good for your organisation's public relations because I think you get... If people feel that it's fair, the process, well, then they will be more inclined to buy into it and more people are going for promotion. It's different, I suppose. You find it different in the private sector, Kiran, would you? Yeah, and I suppose that's just something to kind of, that it's important to kind of just um, acknowledge is that Helen would primarily deal with most of our public sector clients from a training perspective. Now, with interview coaching, we, we individually, we meet people across both public and private sector. Um, but... I suppose in the private sector and and there's a lot of external factors that we we have to acknowledge we live in very much an age of I suppose you you kind of could say social turmoil in terms of the me too movement um there's a lot of people feel I suppose particularly aggrieved around certain things that certain ways they've been perceived to be treated and have been treated in workplaces interview boards have to be quite careful around this and I think the other element in all of this is that I say to people going for interview quite a lot you need to you know I suppose in a sense I'm saying it to kind of calm them down interview boards are under their own scrutiny too Mm. interview boards have an obligation to their organization but they also have an obligation that's legally framed to people coming into them yes there's two legal pieces of legislation that govern interview boards and the first one is the equality legislation which is really important we can't discriminate on the nine grounds and then the other one is the freedom of information and i think people need you know under freedom of information you have a right to get information on decisions <clears throat> that affect you. Now, some people expect that the interview board are almost going to 
go out and coach them and tell them exactly where they need to get on. That's not the role of an interview board. Um, and I have sat on private sector interview boards extensively over my career. And I would find that it's very important to be careful that we are fair and the fairness halo horns effect can be really challenging for an interview board. Um, you know, I like people who are uh, extrovert and, and, and communicative and I, I dislike people who might be more reserved or shy or awkward. And this sometimes can cause a problem because depending on the role we're looking for and depending on the area, this person might be very competent in the, in the situation. So it's not necessarily about personality. Uh, and sometimes an interview can gloss over that and uh, they can uh, come across as, um, well, if you can talk it up, you'll get the job. Whereas mm. really a good board needs to be going drilling down to where have you demonstrated this capability before? And they need to be able to uh, forage through what a person is saying, looking for clarity, looking for evidence, looking for verification in order to demonstrate, for this person to demonstrate effectively. I, I think that's a very good point. I mean, a lot of what I hear, particularly I suppose in public sector circles, is that people know the buzzwords to get interviews and they kind of know how to perform and they know the right thing to say. We'd be very clear on that. Okay, I'm the first to admit interviewing is not an exact science, but that's why you have probationary mm. periods and that's why you have HR departments and managers yes. and performance management. But at the same time, a good interview board knows how to find out to, to, the, to the extent of its remit who they're dealing with. And I think, Helen, from a lot of the training that I've shadowed you on, you talk about the detail. Yes. You know, so you say if someone's telling you a story, if it's a competency-based framework, let's say, and they're demonstrating something, the way to really kind of verify that mm. is the detail. I, I do. And I really think that you're dead uh, on the point there, Kiran, because I think the detail, the detail really, I find, comes in the marking scheme. And one of the schemes that I have developed is a very comprehensive one. It's not just saying, you know, under 40, you haven't demonstrated, over 70, you've exceptionally demonstrated. Because I find it very difficult then to really put the people between the 40 and the 70 into a proper um, a schedule. So I think we need to break down our marking scheme a little bit more um, succinctly so that we have evidence and people are clear and it's easier for one board to be more persistent and consistent <clears throat> and obviously the civil service is a very big place and if you have in internal people interviewing or people coming from different um, departments or councils or health uh, professionals to interview it's very important that it's not personality it's persistent it's a process that identifies a standard and I think that's really what we're trying to get the board to do um, and I think that kind of fairness then will show people, obviously, when, you know, as the cycle in from the recruitment piece continues and they're shown how, how it, it's important in their performance management and these this language of competency is used more on a day to day basis. I think that's really where ultimately you'll get people to to see. But we need similar language. We need transparency and clarity and um, and we have had the advantage, as you know, Kiron, now with the ILM where they're 
internationally mapped the competencies. Mm. And I think sometimes when people maybe change around that, it can cause a little bit of confusion. But I think that, you know, like in every standard, I think it needs to be like delivering results is can people deliver a result? It's a system we're looking at, whereas interpersonal is really more about the human relation side of it. And when we start adding into different pieces, it can get a little confusing. And I would always find that it's probably best not to do that. But the big thing I would have to say is that what you say in your candidate information booklet the board actually does and i think that's the most important aspect yeah and it's it's funny as we start talking about this um you you i keep thinking of more and more things to kind of add in um as just to clarify helen is saying they're the ilm that's the institute of leadership and management they're the certification body that we've partnered with now for i think it's almost 20 years um who provide internationally recognized qualifications so primarily our coaching program and leadership development that we do for all levels but again what helen is saying is that, i think what you're saying helen is that's mapped across in yes. the same terms of competencies internationally, yeah. the other point that i think and it's, it's interesting because you're kind of saying in the public sector there um i was in the republic of work yesterday um and and you know, the outstanding DC Callahan, uh, Callahan who runs that, he gave a presentation on strategy and he talked about the influence that millennials have had on the modern workplace. And you see, again, I suppose I would I would probably be my, my niche, I suppose, is more tech. Um, and I'm, I'm even I'm studying coding myself at the minute, software development, and I, I work with a lot of people such as like teamwork.com, PayPal, Twitter and Google. And what I find is that with millennials, there, there's, there's, in a sense, it's more competitive, but they, they also kind of have more of um, a freedom because it's the ultimate freedom in a sense. And trying to identify, like a lot of these guys, just decide, okay, I want to work in Bali for six months. There's a lot of remote working going on, and employers really are, are kind of, I think, scrambling to keep up with the demands of that. And it, it can be a different arena in a lot of sense when you're trying to interview somebody. You know, a lot of work life now is optical. Many, most of us are on LinkedIn. And I mean, really, I'm always saying it like if you believed everything that you see everyone doing on LinkedIn, you'd imagine that we inhabit a society of billionaires, you know, because everybody is super successful and they're presenting themselves in certain ways. And from an interview perspective, but also from a managerial perspective, we really have to kind of ascertain what the reality is here. Yeah, and I think the point you're saying there is very relevant. Do you find that in the private sector with the current maybe labour market uh, and the shortage of skills in certain areas that people are a little bit too quick in the interview process, make decisions quickly? Yeah, you see, I suppose it's... Uh... I think the big problem we have in this country at the minute is labor, a lack mm. of, you know, I know organizations that really struggle to put bums in seats to get bodies. There's a skills shortage. We are a small population and we do need to recognize that. And we have a lot of, um, I suppose, different nationalities working in our country, which I think is brilliant. But the challenge to offset quality with actually providing people in the role and this is this is increasingly i suppose becoming a challenge there's a lot of talk in cork city at the minute about you know trying to double our population over the next 20 years and i definitely see the urgency for that but the other thing i suppose and again we, we, we'll get into talking about a social lecture here nor a politics lecture 
like the broadband infrastructure i know we're sick of hearing it but remote working i mean really the bricks and mortar going into a location and sitting in a place in a in a modern and again i'm talking about my bias technology-based economy it really is a thing of the past and i mean helen i suppose in a sense you would have recognized that probably well ahead of the curve in that you know you're working from home for a good many years yes um but i think everything is in flux and it's kind of changing but what does frustrate me is the lack of people we have to fill roles and it frustrates a lot of people and i think that leads then to maybe quicker decisions and those quick decisions which can cause problems down the road can actually end up putting your whole process back um i think it's really important so what we really can give you in h training is a very simple guide skill development in order to help the people that are interviewing and the boards that are there to be consistent and persistent and that the process of the interview is flows so we identify the role we look at the competencies qualifications experience obviously and then competencies and that we can develop a pack for the candidate and when that candidate comes into for their interview it's exactly as it was in the pack I say sometimes what is said to the candidate and what happens in the interview can be very different. And this is very disconcerting for an inter- an interviewee. I think they lose confidence in the organisation and they start to come to different conclusions that this is all maybe from an older type of uh, system where it was whoever you knew. And it's not. It's just that the board isn't aligned with the documentation. So I always believe that um defining your role developing your competencies developing your application form shortlisting your application form and there's lots of detail in it but what the candidate expects at the interview should be what it is absolutely and i think the other point too i mean i was just preparing for um some training tomorrow um and i noticed that you you get these kind of blank um boxes for people to answer the questions based on what they're being asked and it's this sense of um you know the criteria being kind of up to the the interviewee or the interview sorry the interviewer to just make their own mind up it's not structured so if we use the Leichhardt scale or if we're saying it's Mm. a one out of five here's what a good answer looks like here's what an average answer looks like and here's what an exceptional answer looks like and when you have that system in place it really is plug and play once you've your people trained in that system and there's more consistency across the board a lot of emphasis in interviewing is around bias and there's a huge amount of it we all have it we have our own biases Mm. um and i suppose i'm very fascinated even i suppose in the the sports arena and, and professional sports and performance how organizations they put big money into these young guys coming in um to professional sports and really it's kind of a roll of the dice because there's so many factors outside of you could say that technical competency is your physical ability as an athlete but what about your capacity mentally to deal with fame to deal with money to deal with pressure to deal with all these other things there's a lot of different factors i think evident yeah, in this so it's, it's a broad area it's a very interesting one so yeah so if you're interested get in touch with us um and we can have a, and, and just to finish on this just to say that like our 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 
training is tailored to your needs. It's yeah. not a kind of an off the shelf. We would have to get an understanding of you and how you're doing things. Yeah, and, and it help can you be, to make, you know, we can focus on the area that you want to develop the process or just the skill to interview. Yeah, and help you yeah. make the, the right decisions. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.